If you have your Bibles, I invite you to take them out and open them up to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Thank you, Lewis. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Thank you. We'll be in verses 1 through 7 today. We're now continuing in our Life Under the Sun series, walking through Ecclesiastes between now and uh, Palm Sunday. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about everybody wants to hear from heaven, but nobody wants to listen. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. This is what, uh, this is what the Word of God says. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, and do not protest to the temple messenger, my vow is a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we ask that you would speak to us today. We ask that you would lead us and guide us today. And may we hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting starting off with a word like this as I'm about to speak many words. Right? I mean, I, I just read from the word of God, let your words be few. And unless I stop right now, I am about to speak many words and perhaps become disobedient to this text. I also read, so the speech of a, uh, you know, when many dreams come, there are many cares, and so the speech of a fool, where there are many words. That's also a caution many to many of us who are pastors, uh, that many words can lead you to being, speaking like a fool. I suppose that makes sense. The longer you talk, the more chance you have to say something foolish. I hope to do neither today, to talk too much or to speak the words of a fool, but I want to look at this passage with you this morning Because it's an important passage as we gather here every week or as often as we gather. We come into this place called the house of God. And and Solomon, at the beginning of this passage, says, he gives this warning. He says, guard your steps when you come into the house of God. And what an interesting statement. What does that mean? I kind of comically in my own mind this week thought about that. And I thought, well, he's talking about the temple, right? He's talking, he's, he's talking about the temple, and they would go there to worship. And I thought, well, there's a lot of animals going into the temple for sacrifices. I, they probably weren't walking around with little market basket bags picking up after their animals. So I thought, maybe literally, you've got to guard your steps when you walk into the temple. But I don't think that's what he means. But he gives us this important advice. Guard your steps when you come into the house of God. And I thought, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because it's important. We come here every week. And you come here week after week after week. And Solomon says, before you come, guard your steps when you come to the house of God. 
See, here's what was going on in Solomon's day. People would come to the temple, and, you know, after you go, one, you go once, and maybe you're amazed, and you look around, and it's a big building, and it's incredible, and there's a lot going on. There's plenty of smells and plenty of sounds and lots of people going on, and, and, you're, and you're probably overwhelmed, and it's incredible. And you go back again, and, and it's, a little, it's, inc- it's pretty amazing, and you go back again, and you're like, well, it's the same thing I saw last time. And you go back again, and it's, well, it's, it hasn't changed And sooner or later, you get to the point where it just becomes a ritual. Okay, i got to go. I'm going to say my prayers. I'm going to make my sacrifices. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And then I'm going to go home and live my life. And that's what Solomon was talking about. That's what he saw, that people did that. Now, people in our day, I imagine, fall into the same trap. As much as I would think that you come in here every week, and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be so great, and it's so different, and you're so excited. I know that there are times where you come in, and you say, okay, we're going to sing some songs. Pastor Brian's going to make maybe some announcements. If it's, if it's good, Pastor Brian, maybe make a joke, and that'll get me laughing, and, 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 and maybe uh, then we'll have the offering, and Pastor Rick will give a message, or maybe Pastor Brian will give a message, and then we're going to sing a song, and then we'll go home, and that's pretty much how it's going to go. And the first time you came, you think, wow, this is so different than anything I've ever seen. This is great, or, or I hope you thought that. You came back at least, so maybe you thought that. Um, but after a while, you know, I know how it is. You come in, and you're like, okay, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to do this. And maybe even your mind starts to wander at times. And maybe even you leave church, and you say, oh, what just happened? One, one Sunday blends with the last Sunday, and you come in, and you, you kind of do your thing, and you leave, and you go about whatever's next. And so Solomon, to people like them at the temple, and to people like us who come to church every week, writes these words. Guard your steps as you come into the house of God. And what does he mean by guard your steps? I think it's very clear. He means one thing very particularly, and it's right in the next verse. And he says this, go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. In verse 2, he says, do not be quick with your mouth and hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. I love the way the NLT translates this particular verse. He says this, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. Many a pastor has longed to read that verse in front of the, no, just kidding. Not really. As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. That's not actually 5-7, that's a misprint, it's 5-2. Um, and, you, and Solomon says, this is how you guard your steps. This is how you guard your steps. And so this morning, I want to talk really quickly about listening. Because everybody wants to hear from heaven. But oftentimes, nobody wants to listen. There's a movie coming out at the end of, I think it's the end of March. It's coming out this spring called Heaven is for Real, based on the book Heaven is for Real. Which, if you haven't read it, it's a great book. It's an incredible book of this story of this little boy who uh, died uh, you know, stop breathing, stop living, and has a story of when he came back and some of the things he said. He, he's a pastor's kid, and they just started a parent. I won't, well, I don't, I'm not giving it all away. You know how, how with a theme, you know what's going on here. The kid comes back and he says some things that there's just no way he could have known otherwise, and they started thinking, well, what something happened when we lost him here on this earth? 
And this book is based around, it's a pretty incredible book, and the movie I'm sure will be great too, but why do people flock to it? Why does it become a bestseller? Why do people buy it? Why do people spend money on it? Because people want a word from heaven. People want a word from the other side. Why do people spend their money when Oprah brings on some kind of so-called expert that says they've been to the other side or they know something on the other side and they pay all this money to, to go to these seminars because people long, they just want to hear something from the other side. And people often want a word from heaven. We just don't want to listen long enough to actually hear one. So Solomon says, shut your mouth and open your ears. I thought about titling this message, Everything I Need to Know About God I Learned in Kindergarten. Right? You were in kindergarten, right? They say you have two ears and one mouth. Right? Use them that way. Right? Or, you know, close your, close your mouth, open your ears, and we're going to learn. Right? And so all that stuff uh, you learn, and that's basically what Solomon's saying. And so he says, listen. Let me talk about three areas where we need to listen. The first thing about listening that we need to do in order to listen is to stop talking. Right, that, that, write that down. Stop talking. Because you cannot listen when you and I are talking. And there's three places where we need to stop talking. And one is, one place we are tempted to talk, and Pastor Brian in, in many ways addressed this uh, in a great way in the sermon at the end of January about the noise around us. But one place we have to stop talking is to stop talking to people around us. Right? Stop talking. The only way we're going to hear from God is if we will stop talking to other people around us long enough to hear from God. I suppose in generations gone by, this was a little easier than it is now. I mean, you could still, in generations gone, you didn't, you couldn't text people maybe, but you still had ways to talk to people. I remember when I was about 10 years old, I was sitting about where Marvin and Jennifer are now, and it was a Sunday night service, and at that time, the youth, which I was a part of the youth group then, we all sat together, and so there was a row of us sitting there in Sunday night service, and we were what we thought very coyly passing notes back and forth to each other. They, as I recall, I don't know exactly what they said, but I don't think they were sermon notes, I don't, I don't think we were saying, wasn't that a great point he just made? But right in the middle of his message, Pastor Harvey Meppelink stood about here on the stage, looked us right in the eye, and said, you can stop that right now. That was the last note I have ever passed in church. I am still a little scared just to take sermon notes in church. But there was, even back then, there was this temptation to talk to other people even while God was talking or the word of God was being preached, right? Now it's even harder because you got this little thing on you that beeps and rings and buzzes and vibrates when someone wants to get a hold of you no matter where you are. And you text and Facebook and tweet. And when I see you on your phone and I'm up here, I'm just assuming you're taking notes and looking things up in your Bible. Uh, but I am uh, real enough to know that maybe not everybody is. But it's hard not to be distracted by people around us. In fact, I think we live in a culture that, that, that promotes us giving the illusion of our attention to what's going on in front of us. I think the American educational system in general really promotes this idea that we can give the illusion of attention. 
I don't know if it's different now, but when I was in high school, I, one of the first things I learned in class was, what does this teacher think, what, how does this teacher think I'm paying attention, right? Because once I can figure out how they think I'm paying attention, then I can do something else as long as they think I'm paying attention. You know, if I'm making eye contact with them, I can be writing down here. I can do something else, you know, if that's all they care about. I had one teacher that, you know, her thing was all four chair legs had to be on the floor. You know, you're not paying attention if you're leaning back on your chair. And she would make you stand up. Mrs. Hanlon made me stand up an entire class because I didn't have my chair legs on the floor. But that was her thing. That's how you're paying attention. Your feet are, your chair legs are on the floor. You're looking forward. And I thought, okay, if that's what it means to pay attention, I'll pay attention. And we do that. We learn to give the illusion of paying attention. Because in any given class, right, you got half the people who are already ahead of the material probably going, I'm bored. Let me do something else. you got half the people who are lost. Like, you lost me. Let me do something else. But I'll let you think I'm paying attention. And so we end up talking to other people. Or we end up uh, just doing something different, right? And so it happens in families. Kids give parents the illusion of attention. I'm sorry to break this to you, parents. But you think they're looking at you, and they are looking over your shoulder at the TV. Or they are listening to their music. Or you are on the phone with them, and they are texting someone else at the same time, giving you the illusion of attention. And you know what happens else? You know where else it happens? It happens in church. Don't look up, but how many of you know exactly how many chandeliers are on this ceiling? How many of you have said, when are they going to change those light bulbs over the platform that have been out forever? I'll tell you, we leave those out intentionally so you can see the screens better. How many of you know that there are 80 ceiling tiles over my head? (laughs) Somebody knows that because you've done what I've done. Sometimes you're not paying attention and you're trying to stay awake and you're trying to give the illusion of attention. So you start doing things like that with your mind and everyone wants to hear from heaven but nobody wants to listen. And if we're going to listen from heaven, first thing we have to do is stop talking to others. So what does that mean? You know, turn the phone off. The world will go on without you for a little while. It will be okay. Turn the phone off. You know, let people, you know, don't don't look around you. Don't be talking to other people and just say, this is my time to hear from God. Second thing we need to stop talking is we need to stop talking to ourselves. Because this is one of the things we do too, Right? You, this morning, you may, not have, uh, you may not have one that looks like this, but I can almost promise you you have one. This morning, you have brought a suitcase into worship with you. You've brought baggage with you today to church, haven't you? You brought things with you to church that no one can see, but are weighing in your mind and are thoughts that are in your mind right now. You've packed in your suitcase things like, what am I going to do for lunch this afternoon? You've packed in your suitcase things like, what was the kid's problem this morning? And how come we can't just have an easy Sunday morning? And those things are going through your head. You've packed in your suitcase this morning things like, I know I've got this coming up this week. And you are running through them in your head right now. You have all kinds of baggage that is in your mind and you come into the house of God and we bring these suitcases with us and even though we sing and even though you sit here and you listen to someone speak the word of God, your mind is somewhere else 
and you're not really listening, you're more having a conversation in your head. And it's what we do. It's what we do. And so we use the time. You say, oh, I've got, I've got this week coming up. I've got this meeting on the calendar. I've got this on the agenda. When am I going to get to this? When am I going to get to that? I want to hear from heaven. But we just don't take time to listen. We don't take time to quiet the voices in our minds enough to hear from God. We don't take time to stop and listen enough. See, here's the reality. The reality is you and I cannot speak and listen at the same time. As good as we think we are at multitasking, we're not. In fact, the truth is, uh, one gentleman, Earl Miller, neuroscientist over at MIT, has said we can't multitask at all. We think we multitask, but we really delude ourselves. He said, humans don't multitask. All we do is switch quickly between tasks. You are never really doing two things at once. You are just quickly switching between two things that you are giving your attention to. You do not talk on the cell phone and drive. You talk on the cell phone, drive. 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 You don't do two things at once. You do one thing and another thing, and you switch back and forth between it quickly. And the truth is, you and I cannot speak and listen at the same time. It's why when you're talking on the phone and trying to type an email, your brain doesn't work. You find yourself getting confused because I'm trying to type and I'm trying to listen and one thing's gonna get lost. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna either uh, miss some words in the email or you're gonna miss some words in the conversation because we can't do two things at once. And so when we come into the house of God, whether it be into church like this or whether it be you going into your uh, time of prayer in the morning at home alone, and, you're saying, and, and we think, why can't I hear from God? Part of it is because we never stop talking. We don't stop talking to others. We don't stop talking to ourselves in our own minds. And we don't stop talking long enough for God to be able to speak to us. Because the same brain function that allows us to communicate words is the exact same brain function that receives the words and processes it and hears. So you can only do one or the other. It's why when you're in a conversation with someone, you know, you can talk, but you can't listen to them talk at the same time. It just doesn't work. You can hear things around you, but you can't process language when you're talking. And so we have to stop talking if we're ever going to hear God's voice. Third thing is this. We need to stop talking to others. We need to stop talking to ourselves. But this third one may be one that we don't often think about. It's the, an important one, though, and it's very clear in this passage. Stop talking to others. Stop talking to ourselves. Stop talking to God. If we're going to listen to God, we need to stop being the one who controls the conversation. We need to stop talking to God. And you say, well, that doesn't sound like something a pastor should say. Well, I didn't say it. The Bible says it. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. When we come into God's presence, often we are tempted 
to just talk and talk and talk and talk. How many of you have gone into a prayer time and you talk the whole time? You go in and you say, I, I want to pray and here's my list. And I, I'm going to pray down this list. Pray for Bobby, pray for Billy, pray for Susie, pray for do 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 And help me have a good day and help me do this and this. Amen. Off to my day. We want to hear from heaven. We just don't want to listen. God, would you speak to me? And he's like, when? When, when? when should I speak to you? Because all we're doing is talking. We need to stop talking and start listening. Well, why do we talk so much in God's presence? I think one reason we talk so much is because we're trying to impress God. We're trying to make God happy. We're trying to impress him with our words, not necessarily, but maybe with our commitments and our promises to him. That's why this scripture says, you know what? Don't make vows you're not going to keep. It says, stop. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. But then verse 5 says, it is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. I think one of the reasons we talk so much in God's presence is because we want to say, oh God, I I want you to know I'm going to do this. And so we make all kinds of promises. And we come here on a Sunday morning and we say, God, I promise I will always do this from this point on. Or God, I promise I will never do this anymore. And we make all those promises and then we go and we don't fulfill them. It reminds me of of the lady who was driving around a parking lot at Christmas time looking for a parking space. And she's driving around looking for a parking space and couldn't find one. Finally, she prays, God, if you will give me an upfront parking space, I will do anything for you. I will serve you all my life. I will give money. I will do anything, God. She drives around. Net, wouldn't you know? She pulls around and right up front, next lane, there's a parking spot. And she says, never mind, God, I found one. And that's the way sometimes we are with God, right? We, how, I mean, if I asked you to raise the hand, if you've never made a bargain with God, I think you'd be in the minority. Because most of us at one time or another have said, God, if you do this, I will do this. And we've made these vows to God. And Ecclesiastes says, be careful about the words that you speak. Be careful about making a vow to God. And the word of God says, actually, it'd be better for you not to make a vow than to make one and leave it unfulfilled. And we know that's true because that's the way we feel with people around us in our life, right? I mean, we don't like it when someone constantly makes promises and never makes good on them. At some point, we just say, just stop. Stop telling me you're going to do it because you, don't, and you never follow through. Just stop it. And what it does in our minds is that person becomes unreliable, untrustworthy. They they lack integrity. And yet somehow when it comes to our commitment to God, we think, well, it's the thought that counts. We think, well, I intended to. Well, God knows my heart. And Ecclesiastes says, no, no, no. Just don't make the vow. Rather than making it and leaving it unfulfilled. We have to be careful. So why do we, why do we always talk? And we come, I think we're trying to impress God sometimes. We're trying to, and, and I don't know how we do that, but we do. We try, God, I, I, I want to do this, and God, I know I did this wrong, and God, I know I did that wrong, and so God, I pro- I'll always, and God, I'll never. Um, and then we go on, and we feel good about ourselves. But I think another reason we often talk a lot in prayer is because we think that's what God wants us to do. 
We think that God wants us to talk. We think that God wants us to talk all the time in prayer. And Jesus had something to say about this. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus says, you know, many people feel like if you just keep talking that God's going to hear you more. And Jesus says, don't, don't babble. Don't, don't just constantly keep talking. God knows what you need. It's interesting, when the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? He gave them a very short prayer. Gave them what we know as the Lord's Prayer. It was very clear, very concise, very to the point. But it wasn't babbling on and on. And sometimes we come into God's presence and we think, we got to come up with these long, eloquent, lengthy prayers instead of stop talking and listen to what God has to say. Now, here's, here's, what, I, here's what I want to close with today, just before we finish. And we're going to have some time at the altar to listen to what God has to say. But just before I get to that, the the last thing I want to say is this. Here's the danger in coming into God's presence and only talking. Because there's a huge danger. There's a huge danger when we come into God's presence and we do all the talking. There's a huge danger when we come into God's presence and we never stop talking. When we come into either this place and we do all the talking, or we come into our personal devotional time with God, and we do all, there's a huge danger. And here's the huge danger. The huge danger is we assume we know what God's going to say. We assume we know God's agenda. And so we assume we know how we are supposed to respond. And I think we miss out on a huge message that God wants to give us. Because here's what happens. You only get half the gospel if you're doing all the talking and not listening. See, the first half of the gospel is this, and this is the part we all know. The first half of the gospel is God's perfect, we're not, we've fallen short, we mess up, we've got problems, we need to be fixed, we need to repent. That's the first part of the gospel, and you know what? We all know that. You know, most people don't need to be told that there's things in their life that need to be changed. Many times they'll already know. You know, they'll they'll already know there's something that needs to be changed. It's like the story Tony Campolo tells uh, when he was was in Hawaii and he he met this uh, girl um, who happened to be, uh, she was was a prostitute, but then she was prostituting out her kids. and, And she knew it was wrong. And Tony said, have you ever thought about going to the church for help? And the woman said, Why would I go to the church? They'd only make me feel worse. Why? Because she knew this first part of the gospel. She knew the first part. She knew what she was doing was wrong. She knew this isn't right. And we all know that. There are things in our lives, I don't have to say a word. I don't have to read a scripture. And sometimes you'll come in here and you'll go, I know. Uh, I know, I know that that wasn't good this week. You'll tell God, you'll say, God, you know, God, I know I shouldn't have done that, but God, I will never, and God, I will always. And we start making those commitments, and we start making those promises, and we just talk, God, this is why. And we start rationalizing and justifying and telling God why it happened and how, you know, this is, this is why it happened, but it's not going to happen this week. It's going to be different this week. I'm not going to do it. And we just talk, 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 talk. But you know what doesn't happen when we talk? God never gets a chance to talk. Because we assume we're doing what God wants. 
we assume, hey, I'm going to repent, I'm going to change, I will never, I will always, and God, we're good, I'm going to go, and this week's going to be different. But we never got a chance to hear what that woman never got a chance to hear, what so many people that stay away from the church never get a chance to hear is the judge pronounce a judgment of grace and forgiveness on a person's life. Because that's not in our conversation. Our conversation is, I've got to fix this, I've got to change. I've got to fix this, I've got to change. I'm going to, I'm going to do something different. And we talk to ourselves and we say, I'm going to do that. I will never, I will always. What we never come up with is the God who says that through Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, that you can have forgiveness and grace in your life. That you will never be strong enough. In fact, 1 Corinthians says this, I chose you because you are weak. I chose you because you are foolish. I chose you knowing all the warts and all the problems and all that. I, that's, I chose you because of that. We're so busy trying to hide that stuff, saying, oh God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's about, and God says, I know about all that. That's how I'm going to show myself strong through you. That's how people are going to see my glory because they're going to look at you and say, oh man, this guy's a mess, but look what God did with him. And we're so, we're so, I'm sorry, God, I will never, I will always. And, and, and that's an important part. Repentance is the first part. But if you never listen to God, you never hear the second part. And the second part is grace. And the second part of the gospel is grace. And it's God saying that through my son, Jesus Christ, I pronounce grace and forgiveness on you. See, here's the thing. Jesus never spoke a wrong word to anybody. Jesus never made a vow he did not keep. Jesus never made a hollow promise that he did not follow through on. And it's only because of the life Jesus lived that my worship can at all be acceptable to my heavenly father. Not because of what I have done. Not because I will keep some kind of law, but because of my faith in Jesus Christ. And see, when we talk, we're setting the agenda and we assume we know what God wants. But when we listen, we hear things we never thought we'd hear. It's like being in a courtroom and you're advocating for yourself and you just keep talking and talking. Judge, this is why it happened. Judge, I'm sorry. Judge, this will never happen. Judge, judge I know. That, you know, just go easy on me, judge. And, and you just keep talking and talking and talking. And the judge never gets a chance to slam the gavel, say forgiven. That's the part we miss when we talk too much. We're so busy trying to impress God sometimes that we miss the opportunity of God making an impression on us. We're so busy trying to show God how great we are that we miss how great God is. Now, I remember the book written years ago, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? Some of you read that book, and one of Dale's uh, uh, principles that stuck in my mind is stop trying to get people interested in you and get interested in other people. 
It works with God too. I think sometimes we go into God's presence and we're so busy trying to get God interested in us. God, pay attention to my problems. God, look look what's going on. God, this is going on. And God's like, I know. You, You didn't tell me anything I didn't know. Now listen so I can tell you something you don't know. God is in heaven. You are on earth. So let your words be few. Everyone wants to hear from heaven. Nobody wants to listen. Will you be among those who listens to God's voice? That you'll make the commitment to stop talking at times to others to listen to God. That's a bigger challenge now than it was, say, 50 years ago. Will you make the commitment to, to you know what, quiet your heart? And how do, you, how do you empty your mind of that baggage on those conversations that we have with ourselves I'll admit it's a challenge. You know, I go into my morning devotions, I open up that Bible, and I start reading, but my mind doesn't take long before it's racing to my first appointment or the last thing yesterday that I left undone or an email I've got to send or, and my mind starts going there. So how do you take your time to stop those conversations with yourself? Well, a little bit is part of knowing yourself and what's helpful to you. So for me, if I take like one verse that I'm reading and I'll write it down at the, in my journal and just start thinking about that verse and, and praying about that verse. That kind of helps me focus. It's not emptying your mind. It's filling it with the right things. It's focusing on God and focusing on him. And so you got to kind of know yourself. Sometimes for me, it's reading a large chunk of scripture quickly because if I read a large chunk of scripture quickly, I don't have time for my mind to go someplace else because I'm, I'm reading a large chunk of scripture quickly. So you gotta kind of know yourself a little bit. Sometimes it's always keeping a pad of paper and a pencil there so when something pops into my mind, I can write it down and forget about it until later. You know, something I've gotta do later, just jot it down, I can think about that later. So it's ways to quiet that. And then to stop talking to God, that's a discipline, but that's something I want us to practice right now as we close this service. I want our music ministry to come back, and I want to close this service with an altar time, but I want to call it, uh, we'll call it a silent altar call. I'll, the worship team is going to play. That'll make it a little more comfortable for you, I guess. But I want you to come. I want you to pray. No, I don't. I don't. I do want you to pray, but I want you to listen, not speak. I want you to Listen. Because here's what I believe. I believe God is speaking, but he's waiting for us to give him time so that we will listen. The Bible says that this is a living, active word of God. That there's words in here that are for you and that are truth. And yet so often, We count ceiling tiles or we think about what's for lunch or our minds are in so many different places than saying, God, would you speak to me through your word today? Your word's spoken. And then the Bible also says that when someone gives their life to Christ, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you, which is just wild to think about, right? That you become the house that God's spirit takes up residence in. And I believe God wants to speak to your spirit and speak to you. I've never heard an audible voice from God. I haven't, but I have heard God speak to me many, many times. 
of God speak in my heart when I will just sit quietly. I heard him speak this morning in first service, just sitting and kneeling at this altar and just not saying a word. And I heard God say something to me that I just know was clearly and totally from him and for me, so I'm not going to share it with you. But it was, but I just know because you know how I know? Because it wasn't something I was going to come up with on my own. It just wasn't from me. I just know I trust that God, that's your spirit speaking to me. And I believe God is longing to speak. But will we listen? Will we be as passionate about listening as God is about speaking? So would you stand? And I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, after I say amen, I want to just open these altars. And the worship team's going to sing, but I don't want you to sing. And I don't want you to speak. I want you to come and listen. And just see if God says anything to you. Because I believe God wants to speak to you. He knows your situation. Jesus said it. Your father already knows what you need before you ask for it. So you don't have to ask. He knows already. And you're not going to say something and he's going to say, oh, I didn't know that. Thanks. God knows. Would you give him the chance to speak? Father, Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word. And I thank you for Jesus who came and lived that perfect life that we could not live. And I thank you that in putting our faith in him and putting my faith in him, that through that, that my worship is somehow acceptable to you and that we are forgiven. And I thank you that it's not my always and my nevers that make me acceptable to you. But it's the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life and laid it down so that we could be forgiven. And so, Lord, as we come in this silent altar call, would you speak to us and allow us to hear your voice in our hearts? And I pray for that man or that woman who comes who has felt like they never heard the voice of God speak to them. I pray that this morning that God, you'll silence all the other voices around us including the ones in our own head, to hear your voice and to discern the voice of your spirit as you speak. Lord, let us hear from heaven today. In Jesus' name, amen.